In the words of T.S. Eliot, this is the way the world ends. Not with a bang, but with a whimper. Sit back, grab yourself a cup of coffee or whatever it is that you're into. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden here on the America Out Loud Network. America Emboldened. Greg, I feel emboldened. You don't know the founding fathers. You don't know what they did. You don't know what they sacrificed. We have lost touch with the principles in the Constitution. Nobody's read the Declaration of Independence. You are voting for socialism, and you got what you voted for. Welcome, bold Americans, to another episode of America Emboldened. As always, I'm your host, Greg Bolden, here on the America Out Loud Network. Make sure you go over to americaoutloud.news, where you can check out all my colleagues' work, as well as the America Out Loud Talk Radio News Network, available 24-7, 365 days out of the year. Go to your favorite app device and just type in America Out Loud News, and you'll be able to find that app and listen to all the different radio shows as well as podcasts like mine. On Wednesday, Chris Michaels and myself had the opportunity to sit down with uh, one of my favorite guests from 2022, the suspicious observer himself, Ben Davidson. Now, Ben has been rising to prominence even more so over the last year as more individuals start paying attention to the solar cycle and space weather. But if you listen to Ben back in December on my show over a year ago, you would have heard him talk about the Earth catastrophe cycle. So with people talking about these new solar flares flying off and giving us the catastrophes almost every day and fear-mongering, I wanted to speak to Ben directly and get to the bottom of what is fact, what is myth. And so I will be playing for the audience here on the America Out Loud Network the highlights from that interview. If you would like to see the full interview, it is available on all platforms, America Emboldened. You go over the the YouTube page, the Rumble page, my X feed at Real Greg Bolden, and you can see the unedited interview. But I'm bringing in the highlights for you from Wednesday for today's show. This is about a potential end of humanity event for the most part. About 80 to 90% of humanity would be gone. And so we're going to sit down and talk to Ben about what could and what will likely happen and unfortunately very soon. Now, Ben is uh, one of my favorite shows that I did uh, back December of 2020, 20, 2022, where listeners started writing into me kind of like, that was really interesting. I've never heard about the earth catastrophe cycle. What is this Adam and Eve story? I've since actually covered that on an episode just about a month ago, knowing that I was bringing Ben back on. I wouldn't have known about Chan Thomas and the Adam and Eve story if it wasn't for my guest. Uh, it was Ben that really brought that to the forefront, that document from the CIA that was uh, declassified. We're going to get into a ton of great conversation tonight. He's an expert. If you don't know him already in solar cycles. Uh, he has been talking about the Earth's magnetic pole shift now for some time, the disaster cycle of our planet. Also an expert in geophysics, and he's well-educated in law and a bunch of other avenues as well. Uh, a polymath would be the best way that I could explain him. So Chris Michaels, you did not get to be a part of that conversation the first time. I'm excited for you to get to meet Ben and get some of your questions as well and give it a fresh perspective on all this. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I mean, this is fantastic stuff because, I mean, you and I have spoken about this kind of material plenty of times in the past on and off the record. Well, I, I got to be I got to be upfront with you. The only reason you and I have had the opportunity to speak about this stuff is I've been following this guy's work since uh, before my daughter was born. My daughter's 12 years old, and it's been a long time that I've been following his YouTube channel, The Suspicious Observers, which, by the way, if you guys go to that, use a zero instead of an O for observers. And we'll be highlighting that a little bit later this show. Let's bring them straight up. Let's not keep people waiting. Let's, let's rock and roll. Ben Davidson, how you doing, brother? Doing fantastic. How are you guys? Doing wonderful, man. Never had a bad day in my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's, it's about what we uh, manifest into this world, right? If, if, I've, sure. if I say I've never had a bad day, I've never had a bad day. We're going to keep it positive, keep it light today. Ben, uh, 
it's a lot's been happening over the last 13 months since we last spoke. We are seeing more and more stories right now in the news media about solar flares being launched at Earth. Each time I see these posts by people like Dom Lucra on X being sensationalized and going out there like the world's about to end because there's a huge solar wind coming our way, I laugh because I've been following your work for all this time. Why is it that people that are not familiar with solar winds, solar cycles, why is it right now people have fear and they're pushing out this narrative that the sun is about to end the earth any day now? I have two hypotheses and I have no idea which one of them is correct. Uh, first idea is that this is kind of something that happens when people first get into space weather and solar activity. Uh, the first time they start to see the sun acting up a little bit, they're like, oh, wait a minute. I've read about this. I've heard about this. This could be it. This could be the one. And they get overly excited, not realizing that solar flares of small to moderate magnitude happen fairly regularly. It's the really, really big one that we're worried about. Um, that one I can understand. Um, and I suppose even forgive as well. The one I'm worried about is whether or not this is a concerted cry wolf effort so that when something actually terrible happens with the sun, nobody pays attention to it. Uh, and I wouldn't put that past the powers that be either. Neither would I. I mean, I'm looking right now, Chris Michaels and I had John Warner the fourth on the show uh, several months ago, and he's been talking about disclosure of aliens and talking about what the government's prepping for. And Chris and I often talk about, we don't really believe that what's going to be disclosed is actually the truth whatsoever. And I feel like you're over the target with, are they putting this type of information out there right now so people don't take it serious when it's time to take it actually serious? So that way... Are they even taking it serious now? They basically came out and told us aliens were real, UFOs are real, and nobody cared. No. Literally, I mean, people were posting about it, this and that, but nobody freaked out. Nobody stopped going to work. Um, it was amazing. Like We actually got to the point where they can tell us aliens are real and literally nobody cares. So, I mean, unless they're like E.T. and they're going to hide in my closet, I'm not sure I even care. If they're not bothering me, let them be. You know, if E.T. is going to come to my closet, that's pretty damn cool. I'm down with that. Yeah, send them in. Get my Reese's Pieces. I'll be I'll be set for life. Um, so, Ben, with the stories that are coming out, another thing that, that I've been hearing about is billionaires building bunkers. Now, when you and I last spoke, we talked a bit about the Earth catastrophe cycle. And you hadn't defined as well as you've defined uh, over the last year and a half this idea that the earth tilts at a 90 degree turn. Like we talked about that, but we didn't get into woolly mammoths and everything else. I know you just did a video on it today, uh, which people can check out on your X page at sun weatherman. I'm curious, what data are you looking at over the last year? That's kind of fresh and new. That's really reinvigorating your perspective on what we're going to go through. Um, <clears throat> so, there are a couple of things I, I, one, I realized that j just how many ancient religious stories and, and other historical accounts discuss things like the earth turning over, um, and how every catastrophist for the last couple of centuries seems to come to that one point that something happens like a pole shift where the earth literally turns and we get these great waves from the ocean because of it. Uh, then I read World in Peril by Ken White, where not only did uh, his father, Major Maynard E. White, break the law and keep classified documents from the mission, from the Pentagon meetings afterwards, which expressly say the earth tilts over 90 degrees um, and showed bunches of the evidence from it. But this part about the mammoths, this is something that nobody needs to do research. You don't need to go look at the data. You don't need to try to recreate the math from the Rand Corporation. You don't need to go read 10 different religious texts. It's just so blatantly obvious when you think about the, the mammoth uh, evidence uh, for this. And, you know, everybody, when they, when they, they learn about the frozen mammoths with food undigested in their mouths and stomachs, they're overly consumed with the mystery of how do you freeze a mammoth so quickly? And that is an amazing mystery. 
but they also forget the, the critical point, which I, as you mentioned, I was, I was discussing this earlier today. These mammoths ate an unbelievable amount of vegetation, like hundreds and hundreds of pounds, maybe more than a thousand pounds every day. Where they found these mammoths, there is not enough vegetation to support them. And we are at, we are 12,000 years into a warm interglacial cycle. These mammoths were frozen in a much colder glacial cycle. There was no food for them there at all. So how were they surviving in these areas? And the answer is that they weren't. They weren't near the polar region. They were at much lower latitudes where there was vegetation. And then the poles shifted. They got thrust to the Arctic. And then they froze. That still doesn't necessarily answer all the questions about how they froze so quickly. But the mammoths are, are, are a two-part mystery. How do you freeze them so quickly? And what in the world were they supposed to be eating up at that high latitude if it was so cold? I mean, like I said, there's not enough food for them there right now. Definitely not during a glacial cycle. And the only explanation is that they were at lower latitudes and their part of the world tilted up to the Arctic. I'm curious, Ben, what role would plasma from the sun have in flash freezing? You Just bring us back to that really quickly, because I saw you mention that earlier, but I that wasn't connecting dots for me. So um, whether it's directly from the sun or it's a discharge of plasma from the earth after taking in so much energy, um, plasma can heat or plasma can cool. You can just spend a couple of minutes and you know once you get in deep into the details, it might require some advanced math or physics skills. But just spending a few minutes, even on a search engine like Google, uh, and you type in plasma cooling, you can find that they have, they have a quite a bit of knowledge about how the application of plasma can sometimes heat and there are ways it can cool sometimes very rapidly. Um, in fact, the way that humans created the coldest thing in the universe, just a few trillionths of a degree above absolute zero, was uh, they saturated it in a magnetized gas. Uh, so plasma cooling is that that's that's a great article you've got on the screen right now, probably one of you know a few dozen you could find just in a quick search. And so th this is absolutely a thing. And this is one of my favorite hypotheses for how the mammoths could have been frozen so quickly after the earth took in a massive amount of plasma from the sun and the direct sun to earth plasma creates heating but earth's a capacitor if it gets charged up too much takes in too much it will discharge that and uh it would be a very expansive thing and just like how expanding air cools uh, i could see the mammoths being in that discharge area of the plasma that had been taken in from the earth. And that could be one of the ways that it was instantly frozen in time. It's very possible. I had a dream maybe like four or five years ago that blew me away. In my dream, all of a sudden I woke up and everything was inverted. The, the sun was rising in the West and setting in the East in my dream. And there was military all around and the sky also had this really odd haze. The sun was a different color. And I believe that we should pay attention to our dreams, not because everything comes identically true in all of them, but I really believe our subconscious picks up on a lot of things that uh, maybe our awake consciousness does not. And I know that there are stories in the Bible that talk about this as well. And you referenced earlier, other religions have the same type of uh, prospect if the earth were to rotate at a 90 degree uh, turn, uh, my West right now would be, I guess at that point, my North or my South, correct? It, it depends. And it's not going to be the same everywhere on earth. Cause remember to take a ball and turn it 90 degrees, the there's some parts that are going to go 90 degrees, but the parts on the side here, they're not changing latitude at all. They're just spinning. And so um, that's why there are some stories of the sun rising on the wrong side, but there are other stories in parts of the world of the sun standing still in the sky or the long night that they feared was never going to end. And so um, it's, it's the kind of thing where it really depends. Everywhere on earth will experience a different amount of tilt and turn. 
I still, you know, when we last spoke, I said, okay, what's my best way here on the East coast to get out of this thing? Should I go up to the Appalachia? And you were laughing at me and you said, I hope you have a good boat. <laughs> um, and then I started like in my mind playing it through. I mean, really there's, there's no way to be properly prepared for this outside of getting to a high elevation and getting into a cave and going up to a high elevation and having some type of bunker system uh, that you can get back out of while still at high elevations. Cause the water ironically, like Mark Zuckerberg building a bunker in Hawaii is hilarious to me because what the a bad guy, idea. right. I mean, whatever his oxygen supply is, I guess, you know, it will be like that movie, uh, uh space camp back in the eighties. They'll run out of auctions slowly. Some of the elites, some of the billionaires are building in the correct places. Okay. Um, the, the best example is Jeff Bezos, but there are so many of them that are just doing absolutely nonsensical things. And it makes you realize some people aren't getting the whole story. Some people are getting pieces of the story. And just think about it. If you are the old world, the old powerful, the old money, you want Mark Zuckerberg around after this? No. You tell him part of the story. And then he goes off somewhere like Hawaii or all those people building in New Zealand. New Zealand is a terrible idea. Well, Not Mark only Zuckerberg, is it going to get. Don't listen yeah. to this, Mark. Don't listen to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, not only is New Zealand going to get pounded by the waves, but Taupo is probably going to go off. It's number two on my list of scary volcanoes. The number one is Campi Flegri off the, uh, off the coast of Italy. Um, but after that, it's Taupo in New Zealand. Uh, just what an awful place to be, in my opinion. And and Hawaii is no better. Hawaii is no better. Um, you, you basically have a choice if you're in Hawaii. You can either go down to the beach and die from the killer waves, or you can run up the mountain and die from the volcanoes when they all go off. So, um, but yeah, Jeff Bezos, somebody told him the full story. Yeah. So tell me about this area. Yeah. Uh, it's on the border of Texas and New Mexico. This is where he's in building that Sierra, big clock. Yes. Yeah. The big clock, which isn't why he's doing what he's doing. It's right. in the Sierra Diablo Mountains. And on one side of a street is his Blue Origin launch facility. You know, it's not as it's not as good as SpaceX, but Jeff Bezos has a space company too. So on one side of the street is the Blue Origin launch facility. And on the other side, he is hollowing out a mountain. Now, the public story is that he's building... A, a, a forever clock. I know people who have gone down there, who have spoken with the police, who have spoken with locals. He's doing so much more. For several years, there has been a constant night and day train of cement trucks coming in and out of that place. And so basically, Jeff Bezos is not only at high elevation, not only at the Rockies where you need to be, or you know, in the foothills of the Rockies, but he's making it so that just across the street from one another, he can either go down or he can go up. Let's look at who else is doing that. Elon Musk, SpaceX, he can go up any moment he wants. But what else does Elon Musk own? The Boring Company. He's digging tunnels everywhere. And so some people have the full story. Some people don't have the full story. But um, you know, when even Kim Kardashian is trying to build disaster bunkers. And Rick Ross, did you see that? Yeah. I did see that. Although, <laughs> although I'm not sure anybody gave him the story. I think Rick Ross just noticed everybody yeah, right. else that was rich doing it. And he was like, I'm going to get one on too. that. <laughs> yeah. Michaels, how's this resonating with you? This is your first time hearing some of this directly from a source that's been looking into it for a long time. What's on oh, your this mind? Is fantastic stuff. This is fantastic. I mean, I, I've been following this kind of material for quite some time already. Um, and if you really want to go down another avenue, which I don't intend to right now, um, th there's a whole occult avenue that goes along with this quite nicely, oh especially when, when you deal yeah. with the spheres. I mean, just what you brought up, right? The Sierra Diablo Mountains. I mean, Devil Mountain. That's where he's building this. <laughs> this this is related to why they're pushing a false mainstream climate narrative. This is related to what appears to be the intentional utter undercutting of the West, the intentional destruction of the global economy. This is related to COVID and whatever else with disease X that they're going to put out. This is related to the, they're not even hiding it, Satanism that is pushed in mainstream media, mainstream music, movies, all the, this is all related. 
And if it seems like they're being reckless, it's because they know there will be no reckoning. If it seems like they are no longer hiding in the shadows and no longer being patient and taking things incrementally, that they're going as fast as they can, spending like there's no tomorrow, it's because they know on a certain timeline there isn't one. And I think at some point, even though they've known this was coming, they realized how much closer it is than than they had thought before. And now they're like, okay, to hell with secrecy. It doesn't matter anymore. Right. We just need to do all of this now. And they they are absolutely Satanists. They yes. they worship Satan. I mean, this is more than just um, Bohemian Grove and some right. of the statues and symbolism. They actually believe this stuff, and they're trying to uh, they're trying to make it a reality. So let me ask you this question. Um, you, I, I think it was you that brought it up on uh, Tim Pool's podcast that there was a galactic wave moving through yeah. and it would create dust and it would actually be on the sun. Is that right? Was there dust on the sun? How did that go? So, um, I guess we'll have to start at the beginning. <laughs> so anytime you have a spinning sphere magnet, whether this is in a lab, whether this is the sun, whether this is other stars, whether this is the Milky Way or other galaxies that they've looked at. Is this at. like a torus field or no? Sort of. So okay. there's three components. There's the polar jets going north and south. There's a torus of plasma around it. And outside of that torus of plasma, there is a wavy, rippling current sheet. If you've heard people talk about the pole shift and the galactic plane, the galactic equator, it's completely wrong. That's not where the north versus the south, the galactic magnetic reversal takes place. It is in this rippling sheet. And so at any given point in the galaxy, it might be at the equator, it might be above the equator, it might be below the galactic equator. Uh, the sun's version of this is called the heliospheric current sheet. In the Milky Way, they know that the ripples are between 60 and 170 parsecs tall. And a, a parsec is, it's what, like, two light years that's not exact but they know the amplitude of the waves they know the thickness of the waves which is approximately a few 10 light year a few tens of light years thick and when you look around the what actually happens especially when we get hit with the sun's version of that it is a complete magnetic reversal within the solar wind that the the electric field that the sun is projecting out in all directions now when this happens at the galactic level it affects the entire solar system and earth believe it or not is actually changing less than the sun venus mars jupiter saturn uranus neptune and pluto and changing less than the interplanetary space the space between the planets now, we could get into all of that if you like, but essentially all of it is indicative that there is a major magnetic change happening throughout our solar system. The other thing about this electric waving field is it's going to act like a Swiffer duster in space. All of the dust, some of the ambient gases, even some of the plasma is going to get swept up and pushed along with this galactic wave. And in the interplanetary space, one of the things we're seeing is there's far more dust. In Earth's atmosphere, there's 55% more dust than there was a century ago. And increasing winds lifting off the Sahara can only account for maybe 2 to 3% of that. They are already noticing there is more dust between the planets and already accumulating at the top of the atmosphere of the sun. Now, this is something that's only detectable with really high-powered scientific instrumentation. It's not something that is affecting how we look at the sun and how it appears to us just yet, but it's going to. Because while we are it, while we are taking the impact from that, remember, it's tens of light years thick. At the center of that wave is the actual galactic magnetic reversal point. And that's what's coming in the next couple of years to maybe two decades at most. When that happens, it's a magnetic null point meaning no magnetism whatsoever when we are right there switching from positive to negative, north to south. It has to go past the zero line. And when that happens, so many of the processes on the sun are going to click off. The luminosity going to click off. That's how we get our days of darkness. The solar wind outflow 
is going to be stifled, which is what clears the dust right now. All that dust is going to rapidly accumulate on the sun. And then the wave passes, we're subjected to the other magnetic fields, the sun clicks back on, and all the stories of the great solar flash. The great solar flash is the breaking off of that dusty shell and sending it throughout the solar system. And that's probably what unlocks the crust from the mantle. That's probably where a lot of the burn marks come from. You know that the vitrified sand, you know, the, the glass in the desert yeah. in the Middle East and other things like that. People are like, was there an ancient nuclear war? No, it was zapped by the sun. No. And this is where that comes from. Everything from the stories of the thunderbolts of the gods. I mean, that much plasma hitting us. Sure. It's going to create an arc discharge down to the ground, basically a super lightning bolt from the edge of space down to the earth. And it reminds me of the electronic universe or the electric universe. No, it, that, that's straight out of the electric universe. Yeah. And some of the best scientific evidence for this is by a man named Dr. Anthony Peratt, formerly of Los Alamos. He's got tons of great information on this. His papers are absolutely amazing. And he also talks about the cyclical event on the sun. Um, another good one to listen to on this is Dr. August Dunning, formerly from NASA, formerly from Caltech. Um, he'll talk your ear off about the solar <laughs> micronova, which is basically what this is. It's like a nova event because yeah. it blasts out all directions, but it, it, it's a miniature version. It doesn't destroy the earth. It's still pretty bad. But essentially, this allows uh, us to line up this event with biblical stories, Zoroastrian texts, the ancient in stories from India. And it happens to be what we would scientifically expect based on what this galactic current sheet, this waving field, which we know exists, which they've characterized and even measured to some degree here in the Milky Way and in other galaxies, would do to a star like the sun when it hits. What we're seeing throughout the solar system, the changes in all the planets, is exactly what you would expect to see when this is encountering a solar system. And so I would, this is actually a nice loop into one of the strangest aspects of all of this is science and scripture are lining up. Yeah. So long you had to pick one. Okay. Well, you can either go with science, you can go with scripture. Nope. They're telling the exact same story now. And that was one of the most incredible aspects of all of this for me when i finally had to realize just how well they matched up um yeah i hadn't I worn this to, i hadn't worn this in years i started wearing it again i wanted you to say one thing how long would that dust last on the sun three days exactly so god's sun does yep. rise again rise after again three after days. three days yeah absolutely um so, so some of the best quotes on this are Revelation 16.8, and the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and the power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. Uh, when the vial is poured on, that's when the sun goes dark. Um, in the book of Enoch, chapter 65, um, this is about what happens right after that. And Noah saw the earth turned over and knew its destruction was near. There's tons of that in Isaiah as well. But what's interesting is I actually think that the four horsemen of the apocalypse were an allegory for this. Mm -hmm. I mean, I actually think that the four horsemen of the apocalypse are talking about the solar micronova. And so see if you can follow this. Do either of you remember the yellow sun? When yes. I was a kid, the I sun was yellow. I used to be able to stare at it. The sun was yellow. You could look at it, yep. maybe not at the top of the sky, but the sun is white. The sun mm -hmm. is absolutely white now. And the first horse is white, wearing a crown, right? Up at the top of the sky, if you can kind of squint and look up there, the rays shooting off of it look like the sun is wearing a crown. Well, what's the next horseman? The next horseman is red. And one of the things it does is it steals the civility from the people. When the dust begins to accumulate and the galactic magnetic reversal begins to shut down the luminosity, the sun will turn red. And believe when that happens, there will be no more civility. Everyone's going to go completely berserk. And Chris, I know you're going to get this next part. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what is the third horseman? It's black and it carries the scales of justice, right? Well, when the sun goes black, 
Do you know what will be illuminated? The plasma torus around the middle. So we're going to have a black sun, but mm. we're going to see basically a line of the torus. And as the sun goes through the sky, it's going to appear to tilt like this, just like the scales would. What's the fourth horse? Pale. Yeah. But hell follows with it. Uh, name it set on it was death. Once the micronova blows, we will see that yellow sun again, but it will be paled out because we're looking through dust and plasma. We will see that yellow sun again, but hell follows with it. It's about to arrive at Earth. Uh, that's where the burning of the Earth occurs, the great cosmic discharge. Realizing just how well that matched up with what scientifically would be expected from our star, the sun. It's the kind of thing, you, you, there's too many coincidences to ignore. Far too many right. to ignore. We're going to take a break here on the America Out Loud Network in order to get a word in from our sponsors. If you're enjoying this show, make sure you understand there is also a full version of it. This interview lasted about an hour and 44 minutes. You can find that by typing in America Emboldened and going to the Rumble page or YouTube. Make sure you give a subscribe over there as well. It's also on my Patreon page, America Emboldened. Just go patreon.com backslash America Emboldened. Uh, the conversation with Ben, we got into some really amazing uh, things that I think is going to blow your mind. That last segment there, talking about the book of revelations and how that relates to this uh, solar micronova and this earth pole shift and flip 90 degrees, this catastrophe event. We're going to get further into the weeds in the second half on that. We are also going to talk about the solar flares and climate change and why climate change is really uh, a lot of uh, man-made myth in order to make people money. It's not saying that we don't have an effect on the climate, but we pale in comparison compared to the data that Ben will be presenting here in just a few moments. Go over to americaoutloud.store where you can check out all the sponsors, the great people that help bring this content to you across the entire network. We'll be back in just a few moments. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden, my co-host Chris Michaels, and our special guest, Ben Davidson. Well, the year 2024 is upon us, and it is our chance to get it right and take back a free America. AmericaOutloud.news is your source for uncensored and factual news that facilitates truth and unity among all Americans to restore that American dream we have always cherished. Now is our time, my fellow Americans. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe. Air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com. The Natural Colon Cleanse. It's the ultimate digestive tune-up with Oxy Powder. It's crafted to alleviate the discomfort of gas, bloating, and occasional constipation. There's a reason why Oxy Powder is our number one seller. It worked. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Welcome back, Bold Americans, second half of the show here with Bolden and Michaels talking to Ben Davidson, the Suspicious Observer, getting you right back into that conversation. Here we go. When we have space weather, right, we have a weakening of the Earth's magnetic field, which you've been covering very well uh, for at least the last 10 years. I've seen you really putting the data out there. Um, what's that doing to people's mental health? How much of 
mental wellness for individuals can we blame on the magnetic field versus mm, being locked up certainly, for COVID, right? Like, certainly a portion of it. Now, to be clear, I think diet has something to do with it. Right. They're poisoning our food. I think that media, entertainment, music, movies, TV shows, um, talking heads on the television, these have something to do with it. I think that, I mean, th th there's a pattern that leads civilizations from, you know, bondage into spirituality, into democracy, into dependence, into fascism, into, and there's part of that going on as well. It's not one thing or another. It's a confluence of factors. But one of those is Earth's weakening magnetic field. The number one impact that we are seeing down at ground level right now is more cosmic rays are coming into the atmosphere. That's just because the magnetic field, as it's weakening, it can't block out all of the cosmic rays from space. They have done so many studies on what these cosmic rays do to the human body. And there's tons of impacts on various physiological parts of our body, uh, impacts on the heart, impacts on autoimmune diseases, impacts on skin health, impacts on eyes, you name it, and it's there. But what's really interesting is what it, what it does to brain processes and psychology. They find two, two things above all else. One, it degrades the ability of the hippocampus to process, which basically means your cognitive abilities decline, which is a fun way of saying you get dumber. The other thing is that it excites the locus ceruleus, which is deep in there, but it's how your body reacts to terror, anxiety, panic, fear, and a little bit as well, and causes more emotional instability. So if it seems like the world is getting dumber, getting more emotionally unstable, and reacting out of fear and panic, you're right. And there's a scientific explanation for that. In addition to the fact that a lot of the ways that the world is acting right now is exactly how it says in the Bible and in the Quran that they're going to act. So um, again, we have uh, science and spirituality linking up to say the same thing should be happening. The trigger mechanism is actually happening on earth. And what we would expect to see is actually unfolding at earth. Again, how many coincidences are we supposed to ignore? You said that Earth hasn't gone through the shifts as severely as the other planets in the solar system, right? Correct. So what was that planet that suddenly had hexagonal wind currents on its pole? Was that Saturn or Jupiter? Saturn. Saturn. Okay, so that's a pretty Saturn. big deal if you ask me. It now, is, but it's not, the, it's not the freakiest thing that's been happening on the, on the planets. Not even close. What's, what's the freakiest thing that you've seen that's happening on the planets? Let, let's go there. It's a tough call. Pluto lost a fifth of its atmosphere in one year. Neptune's well-documented superstorms reverse direction, kind of like on Earth. Imagine if a hurricane formed off the coast of Florida and then went eastward across the Atlantic and slammed into Africa. Any weatherman will tell you, well, actually, because of Earth's physics, that can't actually happen. They have to go the other way. Okay, well, that's the same thing as true on Neptune, except it just happened. They reversed yeah. Uranus is having record storms, record auroras. Uh, Saturn, it, it's having those those hexagonal patterns at the polar region. But it also, for as long as we've been able to see it in telescopes, astronomers have noticed a superstorm that appears on Saturn every 30 years, except this last one just appeared 10 years early. There's a good rationale for that as well. And I don't want to spend too much time on these, but all the changes on these planets could be due to a changing magnetic situation from the galaxy. Jupiter, it's got cloud band changes. The great red spot is yeah. shrinking. It's got new storms popping up. Red Jr. was born out of nowhere. But most importantly, its radio frequencies are changing. What radio frequencies are coming from Jupiter? The electrons trapped in Jupiter's magnetic field are accelerated so fast that they actually sing in radio waves. But those radio waves have just recently changed. Either the nature of an electron has magically changed to Jupiter, highly unlikely, or the magnetic field at Jupiter has changed. Mm. Mars, they now believe Mars mantle is active and alive after decades and decades. And all of the evidence suggested that it was a dead planet completely. Well, the thing is, they weren't wrong. Mars is waking up. 
Not to mention that its climate changes dwarf those on Earth. Venus's fastest winds are 33% faster than the first time they looked. Earth's fastest winds have increased 7 or 8%. The sun's magnetic fields are changing. The sun's coronal chemistry is changing. For some reason, helium levels are going up. And by the way, when obscured through the space and the atmosphere, do you know what color helium looks? Red. red. When they get even more helium, it's going to help the sun look red. So Earth is changing, but we are here. We can very, in a very detailed way, notice little changes in the atmosphere in the temperature, in the humidity, in the rains, in the droughts, and things like that. These things happening on other planets are so phenomenally huge, we're able to notice them with Earth-bound telescopes, with satellites that are in Earth orbit. Um, some of them are coming from Juno and Cassini and Voyager, which actually flew out there. Yes, that is true. But these changes on the other planets are dwarfing, and in the, and on the sun, are dwarfing what we're seeing here on Earth. So that tells you this is something at the solar system scale that's happening. And I, the best explanation is that galactic magnetic field reversal, which I, is in the process of taking place. Yeah, this is uh, Steve Malloy. You reposted this. I'm going to put this up on the screen right now. Um, this right <laughs> I here, this. I, I thought I was, this. I was so glad to see you put point this out because this was phenomenal data just put in front of everybody. Uh, mm -hmm. Ben, I think it's pretty easy for everybody to be able to figure out that we were a lot warmer in the past than we've been coming through hardly any climate change compared to what the earth normally does. And we also have oh, yeah. an ebb and flow here, but can you explain this to people and the climate change versus what's going on in, in, in the earth uh, and maybe this sure. charging as well? Sure. Um, we are coming, we are still coming out of the Little Ice Age. The Little Ice Age was freaking brutal on this planet. In fact, half of all of the recorded famines that ever hit our species occurred during the Little Ice Age. Literally half of, of all the famines known occurred in this tiny little window. Um, we're still coming up out of that. Yeah, the earth better be warming. Um, the most friendly to life periods on this planet was when CO2 was higher than it is now and when it was warmer than it is now. In fact, plants have been on the edge of starving for about 4 million years because there's been dropping CO2. Uh, this is a very good thing that we're adding more plant food to the atmosphere. But what you see here is what mainstream climate scientists are trying to erase. And a good source for this on Twitter or X, I can't call it X, it's Twitter. I know, it's Twitter it still to me, I know. Tony Teller, what is his at? Who'd you just ask he, for? Tony Heller. Tony Heller? Hold on. You know who I'm talking about? Oh. Whatever his at is, we got to find that. Tony Heller. Tony Climate, at Tony Climate, at Tony Climate. At Tony Climate. Yeah, I'm going to pull up his page. I'll pull it up. This entire thing is... He's got access to all of the old data before May, back when they were warning us, hey, you remember the 1970s? We're going into another ice age. We're going into another ice age. He's got every data set from back then, and he's comparing them to what they show the world now. And they are literally manipulating the data and erasing those past warm periods from the chart that you had on the screen before this that showed mm -hmm. the medieval warming period, the Roman warming period, the Minoan warming, warming period. They are erasing that somehow, making them lower and, and inflating the modern temperatures to make it look like, oh, these the temperature is doing nothing but getting warmer. And this is record. We haven't seen anything like this. Complete nonsense. It was warmer several centuries ago. It was warmer a couple millennium ago. And Tony Heller's work in showing how they erase that is the best in the world right now. When I was uh, getting out of college, I could do research and journalism like you wouldn't believe by going back into the microfiche that had been digitized. Speaking of erasing the data for climate change, they're not just erasing the data for cli climate change. They're erasing the entire directories 
that all these newspapers yes. put up years ago and you can no longer find historical data except for the data that Google wants you to see. And DuckDuckGo isn't much better. So I, I can't even say that there's like a better source for it. The history is being erased from people. Tony Heller's got a lot of those articles and he posts okay. them regularly. Um, he's got articles not only from the 70s, he's got articles from the 20s the teens he's got a couple i've seen from the late 1800s like the 1890s 1880s tony heller is is one if you're looking if you want to talk about the past and how they're screwing with the data tony heller is definitely your guy if you want to talk about how the sun and magnetic field of earth are actually impacting the weather and it's not co2 i'm your guy um I, I wrote the textbook, Weatherman's Guide to the Sun. Um, it is sitting in the office of seven or eight NASA scientists, a couple dozen professors, a bunch of them use them in their books uh, every year. Uh, I, I should say every semester I'm invited to come via Zoom or something like that to actually talk to their classes. Uh, I do my best not to blow up their spot because that happened once and people right. found out that, that this professor was doing that. Um, let's just say he doesn't have tenure or a job at that university <laughs> anymore. Nope. Uh, but yeah, I, I love, I, I love it. I love seeing, and you know, when it comes to a professor using it for class, I never make them, even though sometimes they, they request my books to be put in the bookstore. I always make the offer. Hey, tell me which parts you're looking to teach your class. I will just send you things you can print off for the class. Half of them do. Half of them are like, no, this is going in our bookstore. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it's pretty remarkable um, how there is kind of a science underground that is developing at universities, at NASA, a little bit in the USGS, um, not so much in the European Space Agency. They are literally woke to death over there. Um, but there is an awareness and a subculture, an underground, a science black ops almost, if you want to call it that. And uh, that, that's where I would say half of my information actually comes from. It's because I'll get an email from a professor who's like, hey, I was talking to Professor so-and-so in this department, asking him about some data I found that made me nervous. He told me to email you. And I was like, oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Here's an email of a guy at NASA you should be talking to. Yep. Or here's an email of a guy at this department you should be talking to. I wanted to go back to a question I had a while ago. Um, okay. Going back to the Earth's atmosphere not changing as rapidly as the other planets. Do you think, it's actually kind of two parts. Do you think that these changes will, on a spiritual level, lead to a certain portion of enlightenment for people here on the planet? And two... Do you think these climate changes and and all that are tied to that awareness? In other words, the climate change and all this and the and the galactic change will enhance awareness. And if that's the right. case, if, if there's a yes to that answer, do you think they're deadening the change, which would explain why Earth is not changing as rapidly as the other planets? So people don't like it when I say this because they they're like, Ben, it sounds like you like weather modification. Um, but yeah, one of the reasons is that they are doing everything they can to block this out. People here, they're spraying metallic oxides up there and they're like, metal, metal's conductive. They're, they're trying, but metallic oxides, oxidized metal, those are insulators. They block electricity. Uh, and so, um, they're actually doing their best to keep the game going to stay on top of the pyramid as long as they can, to grab as much money, resources, and power and control as they can. And so I guess in a tiny little way, we are benefiting from what they are doing, but the purpose of this is to benefit themselves. Now, as for the enlightenment uh, of the population, the answer is yes, but for some. This is the separation of the wheat and the chaff right now. Um, the NPCs from those with the eyes to see. And in terms of how they're all related, look at it like this. When a thunderstorm go, when a thundercloud goes overhead, the consequences are 
you're going to have lightning, the ground will be wet, and plants will grow more. The spiritual awakening, the climate change, the Schumann resonance, they're all last line of effects. It's like talking about the ground getting wet. But the reason is because the storm went overhead. The reason why there was lightning is the storm went overhead. The reason why the plants are growing is because the storm went overhead. The reason why these spiritual changes, these climate changes, all these other things are happening is because of the electromagnetic changes on this planet. And secondarily, how that is affecting how Earth's atmosphere interacts with the sun, solar flares, solar wind, the interplanetary magnetic field, things like that. Michaels, I want to wrap up with uh, showing a brief clip of something that just happened a few days ago. And I want Ben to walk us through what we just missed, because I follow this with oh. the radio station pretty heavily because I have to know what's going on with space weather, what our radio station is going to be doing day by day. And when I saw this, I was like, holy crap. And you sound so optimistic as, you, as you're talking about, but I'm going to share this. But this is from the Suspicious Observers page. Uh, let me play this uh, little clip. I'm not going to play the whole thing. I'm just going to play. I want people to see this blast. You don't, you don't even need any sound, really. Yeah, no. Nah. Yeah. I'll... Look at that. Let me rewind. Holy so crap. Can you zoom in on the Earth scale? Yeah, this, this, uh, let me see if I can. Hold on one sec. I have trouble sometimes so, zooming. Uh, let it, go, let it go like maybe five or six seconds more because okay. I, I zoom in in the next frame. Yep. Yeah, okay. There it is. Right there. So if you can see a little dot in the middle of that Earth scale box, that little dot in the exact center of that box, that's the size of the Earth. And that white stuff is what came out of the sun. That's a plasma, plasma. blast. And it is, it is no, I mean, a coronal mass ejection. Um, basically a rope of plasma just blasted away from the sun. And this is nowhere near as big as they can be. Luckily, as these satellites are looking from Earth orbit, you can see that this eruption is heading generally southward. The reason why the area where the sun is looks black is because this is an ultra sensitive visible light camera and they have an opaque blocking disc blocking the sun because otherwise the sun's brightness would just white out the entire image the goal was to block out the sun and see these plasma eruptions not due to their own luminosity but because they're so dense they're actually reflecting sunlight that we can see oh. if this had been aimed at the earth we would be back in the stone age about right now and th this just happened three days ago yep. or yeah, I yeah, think so. yeah three days ago. Three yeah. days, we would be back in the stone age, every copper wire, every electric circuit, every transformer, cars, power grids, hospitals, water purification, cell phones, internet, all gone and no way to come back. There's no vehicles. There's no manufacturing plants. There's no computers. There's no communication. It's just us, no 911, no food at the store after a couple of days, no gas, no ATMs. What do we do? This is our future. And as Earth's magnetic field continues to weaken, it's going to take less and less and less of a blast from the sun to actually send us back to the Stone Age. In fact, as bad as everything was that I was talking about earlier, the solar micronova, the magnetic pole shift, the actual crustal tilt where the Earth turns over 90 degrees, most likely on our way to that, something like this from the sun is going to knock out global power. And we're all just going to wake up one day. The lights aren't going on. Our phones aren't going to work. The internet's not going to be here. Our car's not going to start. We're going to be completely off grid, everybody, all at once. 80 to 90% of humans are going to either starve, die of thirst, or waterborne illness within the first couple of months. And it's going to be rough. So it's going to be rough. Here's my question. So we, we see, I think it was 1853, the Carrington event, right? I, I teach that in my curriculum. 59, correct. Um, you know, we had the Western Union lines that were being run back then uh, to be able to have telegram and telegraph services. They all blew up, right? We had fires uh, snapping yeah. and everything. 
when we now rely on satellites for uh, GPS locations of airplanes, uh, we're relying on all these electronics in our cars. Uh, all of that just gets fried in almost an instant, right? Like it's, it's, it's going to be a, a really bad day on earth. I'm just curious on the flip side of the earth, not the sun facing side. Will they have the same type of charge with the magnetic field around frying things or is it just, okay. It is not based on what side of the earth is facing the sun. In fact, some, t- some of the induced currents are worse on the night side. Um, basically, what induces the current into the atmosphere and the ground is the electricity hitting the top of the sky. You know, people know what the northern lights are, the auroras, but they don't realize those are in a ring around the polar region. And the stronger the solar storm, the bigger, the thicker, the stronger, and the lower latitudes to which they to which they extend. It is that energy and it is in a full ring around the world, which simultaneously induces those electric currents downward all the way to the core. And this is the reason why it doesn't matter if it's 5 a.m., 5 p.m., midnight, noon, these solar storms impact everywhere all at once. Now, granted, some areas are more vulnerable than others, and this can be based on geology, the complexity of your local grid, uh, other things like that, what magnetic latitude you are. But in the big one, the really big one, the entire Earth is going to fry like that. Um, people's pacemakers are going to fail inside of their bodies kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's going to be absolutely brutal. And so here's the the reality check that I want to give listeners. And this is not going to be kumbaya by any means. So we've talked about two different concepts. Uh, the concept that you've presented on, on your channel for a while, the solar micronova, which is partly responsible for this 90 degree tilt and tying to Chan Thomas and the uh, Adam and Eve story, right? Having the... Right really bad couple days here on earth, but it's a global extinction except for certain areas of the earth that are able to carry on civilization. We also now have uh, not had a Carrington event at that level aimed at the earth. And when I saw this, I was going, oh, this is a Carrington event plus maybe a few up beyond that. I've never seen anything as impressive on your channel as that. And uh, I'm curious, what's going to happen first is it going to be a solar flare sends us back to the stone age or are we going to go through uh the day of hell uh what what do you feel is the most likely thing the most likely thing is something sub carrington level is going to act like a carrington event because earth's magnetic field continues weakening you know from 1859 to the year 2000, we lost 10% of our magnetic field, about 150 years. They upped that to 15% in 2010, and then they stopped giving us the data. We're down 20, 25, maybe 30% now. When we get down 50, 60%, it's just going to take a little blip from the sun. I, I've said that people should be prepared for 10 years of no electricity off-grid life, and then the solar micronova and the world turns over. Um, absolutely brutal cosmic version of a Super Bowl we've got here on deck. Yeah, and look at the what a time to be alive, they say. <laughs> absolutely. So get your helmet on. Yeah, exactly. Get my homeowner's insurance uh, lined up for that one. <laughs> Not going to need it. Yeah. So well, you know, especially <laughs> it, homeowner's insurance won't help, but every home that has mm-hmm. copper wire in it, every home that's electrified. Yeah it's at risk of catching fire during this event. Correct. Correct. That doesn't mean every single home is going to burn down, but it's possible, but it's possible. It's possible. Every home, every home is a fire risk. Every car is a fire risk. Every storage container is an electric arc slash an oven inside risk. Um, Metal fillings, titanium on people's, inside people's oh, bodies. I never thought about the titanium. I'm screwed. Neuralink. Uh, anything metal could either melt or have arc discharges, basically right. shoot lightning out of it. So hmm. it, it's, it's going to be a rough one. It's going to yeah. be rough. Yeah. All right. So um, we're coming to a solar maximum right now. 
So obviously yep, almost here. our risk is going to increase for another nine months, maybe a year, maybe 18 months. And, and then stay there. Well, it's going to increase over the next six months and stay at okay. that peak level for probably a year and a half to, yep. to three years. It's You can never tell how long Sunspot Maximum is going to last. Right. Um, but I would say over the next two to four years is when we are at the most risk. I'm hoping we get through that. Yeah, me too. Um, whether we can get through next cycle as well, 11 years from now, you know, we could be down 40, 45, 50% in the magnetic field by that time, at which point it's really not looking good. And, you know, I guess one of the last things to end on is the perhaps the scariest sign of the shift since they have stopped actually updating us on how weak the magnetic field is. We shattered the Aurora record in 2023, shattered it. You know, it used to be that maybe once or twice a solar cycle, we would get a, a, a blast from the sun that was big enough to send the auroras down to lower latitude, visible in Florida, Arizona, Texas, maybe once or twice every 10 to 11 year cycle. It happened seven times yeah. in 2023 and none of them were made, were, were big solar blasts. I mean, we're in the past, we're talking X five X 10 solar flares. They happened from M-class solar flares or little plasma filaments. We're talking, we, we shattered the auroral record on this planet and you can't blame the sun because the sun was just little things, little things, but Earth couldn't handle it. And that's because our protection is disappearing. That, that was probably the best video I did in 2023. Now you have a... That one, yeah, just so listeners know um, and viewers that are watching at home right now, the Suspicious Observer page on YouTube is a treasure trove. And I, I, I really mean that. Like, Ben, like, you've created an incredible archive, and I'm thankful. Thank you, YouTube, for the one thing you have not screwed with completely and taken anything down. Thank you, thank you. I was worried about, like, six years ago with Neil deGrasse Tyson appearing on your videos. I was like, oh, no, the, the platform in them. Uh, but Ben has done a great job of taking uh, kind of his life's work of the last uh, almost two decades and bringing it down. Now he's doing these videos uh, where he's saying, this is what you need to know. If you got no time to watch everything on the page, watch these videos, everything from the earth catastrophe cycle, everything from how solar flares work, what is an M class X class, what's the KP index. You can learn about all of that right on that page. I also know a few of my listeners purchased your textbook last time you were on December, 2022, because I got photos sent of them reading the book and they sent it to me, the, the textbook, which was really awesome. So if you want to purchase that as well, purchase that book. It's a, it's a great academic study uh, for, for the listeners. Um, Ben, you just did Tim pool. Uh, we had this lined up before I even knew you were doing that show, but to me as being part of the suspicious observer community, in a sense of just watching it grow, uh, it is awesome to see yeah. this taking off and being able to bring this to other people. So, you know, the information's out there, the science is out there and the best part you're going to find about following Ben is he's going to cite all the papers, every single video. You're not getting a guy that's quackery that's going, oh, this is what I think's going on with the sun, which is what a lot of these frauds are doing online right now that you're seeing. Ben is going to give you the papers and say, hey, you got nothing to worry about this week. See this? Like, chill out, everybody. All is good. No fear. Eyes open. Right? We're, we're moving forward. I love that. You're ending, too. Um, right on. So, you know, thanks for making the time to be here with Chris and I. I think we covered a huge part of topics. I can't wait to see what the, oh, yeah. the, the feedback is going to be on this and what people want to know, but I'd love to bring you back. As I said, last time too. Uh, get you back on the show as more stuff starts happening and you get more information. We'll continue to update listeners on the America out loud network, as well as through my American emboldened audience. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for the invitation. It was really, it was nice to see you again. And Chris, it was great to meet you. Had a, great had to a meet you time. too. Thanks. All right, Bold Americans, that wraps up the interview with the suspicious observer himself, Ben Davidson. I hope that you enjoyed it. Like I said, this was an hour and about two minutes today here on the America Out Loud Network, but you're missing about half the interview. You can only listen to that if you go to 
Patreon, which is not, it's free. Like this, this interview is too important for you to hear to put it behind a uh, subscription base. It's free for anybody who subscribes uh, right on patreon.com backslash American Boldened, as well as Rumble, American Boldened, YouTube, American Boldened, or followed on any socials, even at Real Greg Bolden. You can watch this, see everything that you missed, see the graphics that were being put up. Uh, it is going to be well worth your time. You're going to want to share this one out with people. This might be one of the most important stories that really helps tie together everything else that's going on in the world. I'll be back next week with more episodes here on the network. Can't wait to see you at that point in time. I hope that you all have an absolutely wonderful weekend. You've been listening to American Bolden with Greg Bolden, my co-host Chris Michaels, and our special guest, Ben Davidson, here on the America Out Loud Network. Be bold, America. Uh-huh.